Today is Thursday, January 16th, 2020. I almost did that again, 2019. <laughs> um, I want to start out today with uh, a voicemail from Scotty. He um, brought up a good conversation topic, and while he says in the voicemail that maybe some of the listeners aren't interested, I still want to discuss it. Now, I'll preface this by saying that in the voicemail, he talks about Twitter, a uh, discussion on Twitter. Well, he put up um, this, this graphic showing how much it costs for a hospital insurance in Australia. And, and um, people on Twitter start, we, you know, had lots of people back and forth about how much it costs and stuff. And I'm sure he was thinking that because I was just in the hospital and how much it costs and stuff, that um, he was curious about how this all works. So let's listen to this voicemail from Scotty really quick and then we'll get into the discussion. G'day Archer, this is Scotty. Now, you don't have to talk about this topic if it is a sensitive topic in America and sort of comes under the category of money and finance and people are a bit awkward about it. Uh, But I would be fascinated after all the tweeting today to know how it works in America for health insurance when you have retired like you have. And... How on earth can you, and I mean you as in American people, afford to pay those massive health insurance costs when you've retired and you're not earning your income anymore? Um, I know you're on an olden day pension plan, which is pretty good, but I don't know, what about younger people or people that sort of aren't on something so good? I just can't work it out. Um, I have cancelled my hospital insurance, which uh, equated to 160 US dollars a month because it was just too expensive. And I thought, I just can't afford to spend that when all the public hospitals are free. And if you have an emergency, you'll go and you'll be treated for free. So I don't know. Anyway, I think it would be an interesting topic. Um, possibly not for the rest of your listeners who are rolling their eyes. But anyway, bye. Thank you for the discussion topic, Scotty. Actually, I think it's a good one. I will, I will begin by saying that I got, I think I already mentioned this, I got not a bill, but like a notification of how much things cost. The um, three days I was in the hospital um, just for the stay, and this doesn't does not include the um, procedure or the cardiologist bill or anything like that, but just to be in the hospital for three days was twelve thousand dollars. Luckily, I have really good insurance. Now, now to explain this, Scotty, um, you ha- there's a couple different things here. You you mentioned in your voicemail that you know that I'm an old time pensioner, and that is true. I um, have a pension. I I don't have to. I didn't have to save money my entire career to be able to retire. I and living off of a pension. Now, part of that pension um, is, well, I I should say, I I have to pay my health insurance myself now. When I was working, it was reversed. They paid the majority of it, and I paid a little bit of it. Now, they pay a little bit, and I pay the majority of it. So my insurance works out to be about $600 a month. Um, And then they give me a, a, I think they pay me back like $120 a month. So maybe I pay $300. $40 $40 a month, is that about right? $380 a month, something like that, um, overall for healthcare. And for me, that for the kind of healthcare I have, it covers 
pretty much everything except for my prescriptions, which are even those are pretty cheap, like ten, fifteen dollars. And then I have a, a like a twenty dollar copay when I go to see the doctor. But now the the way that works is I I pay that. Now here's the other thing too, Sky. Um, I will um, pay for my health care uh, for the rest of my life, but when I turn, I think it's 65, I can apply for Medicare, and that will um, reduce, I believe it reduces my cost, but what I pay for my health insurance will now go to Medicare, and then they cover everything, and then I can, I'll have to purchase like a supplementary policy um, to cover what Medicare doesn't. Now, that happens to pretty much everybody um, when they retire. Now, because I retired before I'm 65, I have to pay my full insurance all the way up until I turn 50, 65. So I've got another 10 years to pay for it. And luckily, my pension is nice enough that I'm, I'm not um, hurt by that $600 a month cost, or really 380 or $580 or 400 whatever it works out to be. Um, so I'm lucky in that way. But there are a lot of people who do not have insurance who have to pay this out of their pocket. Now you say, what about the people who don't have a pension? Well, those are the people, and especially young people today who are starting to work, there's no such thing as pensions anymore. They have to save money from the time they start working until they retire to be able to pay for this stuff because they're not going to see a pension. I think pensions are... A thing of the past. I don't. I don't know of anybody who will be getting a pension, or if they do, it will be a very small pension. Like because I know school teachers and people who work for like um, firemen and policemen, they still get a pension, but it's a small amount. It's not the same amount that you know that I'm getting because I worked during the not quite the Cadillac plan of pensions, but um, pretty pretty close. Um, so that's how that works. Now, now for the listeners, uh, Scotty is from Australia, if you don't know him already, and they have universal health care in Australia. So as he was mentioning, they have free hospitals, so he can just go to um, the hospital and, and not have to pay for anything. It would just be um, the public hospital, I guess. So there's, there's differences in our systems completely, and I think the... American model is one of profit, even though these companies may say that they're nonprofit. Like I believe Kaiser, who who I have my health insurance with, I think they're considered a nonprofit, but it just means that they put all their money right back into the um, into the business, and that doesn't mean that their CEOs and executives don't get paid a shitload of money. I don't I don't really sure about that, but the American system is for profit, whereas probably public health systems are for the health of the citizens of that country. And we simply don't have that priority in in America. It is not a priority that everyone have health care. That is uh, mostly a, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? That is the attitude of I would say the Republicans or the, or the conservatives in our country that they don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. So um, that's that's the problem in America. We, uh, conservatives and Republicans and a lot of people don't care about other people. They don't care what their problems are. They don't care that they don't have health care, so they don't want to pay for it. And that's a, a much bigger uh, picture, bigger 
story than um, just <laughs> boiling it down to that. But um, back to your original question, that's how I pay for my health care. I have to pay for it out of my pocket, and most people have to save their money to um, be able to retire and be able to afford health care. Of course, now, we are all hoping, not everyone, but a lot of us are hoping that at some time in the near future, the United States will go towards, towards I don't think it'll be 100%, but towards... Um, universal health care. I, I don't see that happening quite anytime soon, although our Democratic um, candidates are all talking about universal health care and health care for everyone. We will have to see how that goes. So thank you, Scotty, for that voicemail. I appreciate the topic. I hope I answered that for you. Um, I know there was a whole nother thing on the Twitter about Adam Burns calling us fat. <laughs> Because I heard it on his show uh, saying that um, supposedly he called me fat too, only by um, the process of, of, or what's the word, uh, guilt by association, because I said I was heavier than you, so therefore Adam called me fat too. But um, again, it's all on Twitter. All of this stuff's happening on Twitter. Um, I want to move on to a different topic because this week on Monday, the Oscar nominations were announced, and I'm not going to go through all the nominations like I did last year because, excuse me, for one thing, I do not know the majority of these movies and I do not know a lot of these people. However, I do have some things to say about it. Um, first of all, the, the again, blaringly obvious uh, discrepancy is that women, not women, but people of color were left out of the Oscars. There was only one African-American um, female who was nominated for her role in the movie Harriet, which is the movie about Harriet Tubman. Um, she was the only one who got an Oscar uh, nomination, only only person of color. The other glaring um, thing, and they were people were watching this pretty closely too, is the fact that for the nomination or for the um, best director nominations, there wasn't a single woman nominated, and there were several women who well, especially one, Greta Gerwig, they were really thinking that she was going to finally get a nomination for Best Director. She directed Little Women, and the movie supposedly is really good and one of the best adaptations of um, the book. So, uh, you know, it's like a obvious um, miscalculation on their part. Uh, you know, I don't really know exactly how it works. I, I believe the nominations are put in by the people in those different industries. For example, the actors, so the actors nominate the the directors, so the directors nominate, and the you know sound editing, the sound editing people nominate. I, I think that's how it works. So it's a shame that all of the actors could not see um, the hard work of people of color to nominate them for um, Oscars. That's pretty sad it's a pretty white business to begin with so that's i i think i i can't be totally surprised by it but um it's 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 sad anyway any other fact that um aquafina didn't get a nomination the uh, asian lady for the movie oh god i can't think of the name of the movie oh forget it doesn't matter um the other thing that i thought was really interesting was that scarlett johansson was nominated twice she's got a nomination for best actress in a role um i believe it's for marriage story and she also got nominated for best supporting actress in jojo rabbit 
um, another movie. It looks like a funny movie. So she has two chances of winning an Oscar this time, and I don't think she's ever been nominated before. So the fact that she's got two nominations in one year is really um, amazing. I think that happened, the most recent time it happened, I think it was 2011. I think it was 2011 when um, Kate Winslet, was it Kate Winslet who got two nominations? I think, I think. I'm not, you know, don't quote me on that, but I I remember hearing something about that. So I'm kind of hoping that she wins one of them. However, I don't want her to win the Oscar for um, Best Actress because... I am rooting for um, Renee Zellweger for her comeback role in the movie Judy, which is about Judy Garland. I don't know. There's something about it. She won the Golden Globe. Um, I may I may have mentioned that a couple weeks ago. She won the Golden Globe for her role in as uh, Judy Garland in the movie Judy. And when she accepted the Golden Globe, she was so humble and she was so appreciative and she was like, you know, it's good to be back and I, you know, I appreciate you know, the um, accolades and the uh, recognition. Um, I mean, she her speech was extremely humble and simple. And I think there was a time when she um, won, I think she won an Oscar for Cold Mountain years ago. Then, and she was, I think she got a couple nominations over the years early on in her career. And then she kind of faded because of she had a lot of face work done. She had a lot of um, plastic surgery and people laughed at her and made fun of her and stuff. And she didn't, I don't think she worked for a couple of years and, or she did, she did, she did a couple um, Bridget Jones's movies. And then she um, came back now. It's like, I think she said 17 years later, um, she's back at uh, acting again and nominated and all this kind of stuff. So, I, I, I feel a little sorry for her because I really loved her in the Bridget Jones's movies. At least the first two. The third one was not very good. At least the first two I thought were good. So um, I'm kind of rooting for for um, Renee Zellweger for Judy. And I kind of think she has a good chance of winning. I mean, I guess we'll see. Now, there were like, I think, were there nine or ten movies nominated for Best Picture? I, I can't remember. Oh, you know what? I have it written down right here. I should just go right there. Um, Shoot, Movies to See. That's where it is. So here are the movies that were nominated for Best Picture. Ford vs. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, and Marriage Story. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and nine. Yeah, I was right. Nine movies were nominated for Best Picture. Now, of those movies, or actually, I should say, of all the nominations, I have seen already three movies. And, you know, I did this last year. I tried to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies because, um, you know, I want to follow the Oscars when they come out. And they're coming out in like three weeks, two weeks, maybe three weeks. I think it's February 9th. Anyway, luckily, three of the movies are available on Netflix to watch for free if you have a Netflix uh, account, which I do. So I watched Marriage Story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and that movie was freaking amazing. It's I want to say it's a little sad, um, and it's very serious, and, and it's definitely a drama. There, there are hints of, of um, humor in there, but... Overall, it's a pretty serious, sad movie. Um, 
but I still enjoyed it. I, I thought both of them did a great job, and they're both nominated for Oscars. Um, so maybe one of them will win. I don't know. But really, really good story and uh, really well tell, told. And I put that on Facebook that I was watching it, and a lot of people compared it to who have, who have also seen it. They compared it to Kramer versus Kramer because it's a, basically a divorce a story about a couple getting divorced. And they compared it to like a modern day Kramer versus Kramer. And after I saw the movie and, and thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's a really good description of this movie, Marriage Story. It's, it's a modern day telling of Kramer versus Kramer with the, with the kid and the, the emotion and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So if you haven't seen Marriage Story, I suggest you see Marriage Story. The uh, next one I watched was The Irishman with all these famous actors in it. Al Pacino, um, uh, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel. Um, I can't think of the guy's name now. Uh, oh, uh, De Niro, Robert De Niro. Anyway, this was um, a. It was the story of. Um, I can't think of the guy's name now. Just I lost my head. The assistant to Jimmy Hoffa, um, and how he, what his life was, and, and how he admitted to killing Jimmy Hoffa in the end. Now, he didn't really... No, I guess he did not admit to killing him. Or he told someone right before he died or something like that that he was the one who killed Jimmy Hoffa. Well, it's never been proven and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, this is a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Yes, three-and-a-half hours. I had to watch it you know, over two sittings because it was so long. But it was was quite gripping. It, it kind of held my interest the entire time. They go back in history and they tell stories and then they come back into the current time and they go back in history and tell stories. And, I mean, it's like this back and forth, but it was really well done. I thought it was... Um, Really well done. It was uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. I believe he was nominated for an Oscar as well. Um, so that's a really good movie. But you, again, you're going to have to watch it in two different sittings. The uh, final movie that I've so far seen is The Two Popes because the guy who plays the current Pope, Pope Francis, I can't think of his name, he was nominated for an Oscar. This is about um, Pope Benedict uh, when he stepped down as Pope and the current Pope, Pope Francis, and um, it's supposedly a loose, uh, real story about what happened and um, how the current Pope, Pope Francis, was um, called to Rome by Pope Benedict and spent time with Pope Benedict. And supposedly Pope Benedict said, um, we need you to be the Pope and so forth. So he And the guy wanted to retire, but um, Pope Benedict wouldn't let him. So I'm... Um, it was again. It was a really good story. It was. Um, it made me actually start doing like a little research on the popes and um, how far back they go and stuff. And I thought that was quite interesting. Um, it also, I have to say, I have never had a, um, a positive uh, feeling about Pope Benedict. I've always thought of him as a Nazi. I've always thought of him as a mean person. He was a. He's a strict, conservative Catholic. Um, you know, I'm not Catholic, but um, my husband is. And I always had this horrible opinion of him. Well, this movie tries to humanize him a bit and tries to show that he's got feelings. So it kind of um, gives you a different feeling of Pope Benedict. Um, Anthony Perkins, or Anthony Perkins, Anthony, Anthony Perkins, what's it? Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> sorry. Anthony Hopkins plays um, Pope Benedict and he does a really good job. Um, I, I just, I think they... I don't know if it's true. That's the thing. I don't know if it's true that he actually um, does have a, a human nature to him and uh, 
you know, concern and emotion and stuff like that. But the, the movie definitely made you feel, at least made me feel, that um, they humanized him a bit more than I ever thought he was. So those are the movies I've seen so far that are nominated for Oscars. Now, I, I do plan to watch others, but um, the, a lot of them were just released on Tuesday on iTunes so you can rent them. So I'm probably going to start renting those movies and try to see the majority of them before the Oscars. Um, but however, I will say that I got, I've just today got caught up, caught in, got caught up in another um, binge watching, and this time on Hulu, I'm watching Investigative. Uh, what's it called? Investigative Discovery on Hulu called Murder in the Heartland, and it's like little documentaries about murders that took place in like Indiana, Ohio, um, Idaho, places like that. Um, in these little small towns and then how they solve the murders and stuff. So, of course, you know, because I'm, I've watched every single forensic file, it's kind of like a, a little bit longer forensic file thing. Um, and I'm stuck on it. I've already watched two this morning, and I'll probably watch two or three more this afternoon. We will see. They're only about 40 minutes long, but I'm enjoying them. And I'm also I'm getting my money's worth from Hulu, I think, because when I see the bill for Hulu, I'm like $13.70 a month to watch that. But I, Because I chose the one that you don't get the... Um, commercials so that I don't, because I absolutely fucking hate commercials. I can't stand commercials. Anyway, I got to wrap this up. So um, if you're interested, watch Investigative Discovery Murder in the Heartland on Hulu. If you have it, you won't see any commercials. Okay. Well, that's all I have. So um, again, Scotty, thanks for the voicemail and the topic of the healthcare. I hope I explained that. Um, Hopefully you guys have seen those movies. And if so, you could leave a comment. Let me know what you think. And if you already have a prediction for the Oscars. And uh, that's all I have for today. So um, thanks for listening. And until next time, bye. (laughs) 